There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast. I'm Jim, and if you followed the podcast, you've heard us talk about this man and his work for years, and we finally had a chance to bring him back on, and that man is Steve Orlando. If you're new to the show, Steve was a previous guest from our time at Keystone Comic Con, but more importantly, he has been a staple at DC Comics with titles including Electric Warriors, The Unexpected, The Ray, Gotham City Monsters, and Martian Manhunters, amongst others. Now, he is a freelance writer and has works from image and aftershock and hopefully some marvel stuff in his future and i got a chance to ask him all about those as well as some dc and marvel questions so here is my interview with steve orlando steve first and foremost thank you so much for being on the podcast um the the main question i have is uh, i don't really know much about like how series starts and um you have a knack for um giving underappreciated characters uh, solid storylines and bringing them new life. Uh, you did Midnighter, which what it is uh, what introduced me to your work. Uh, Metal Men, and then Gotham City Monsters. Uh, is that by design, or is there like a pool that the publisher says like this is who you can pull from when you're pitching an idea? Well, I mean, it, it can happen a lot of different ways. I didn't actually work on Metal Men, uh, although I love those characters, uh, so I would have jumped at the chance, but that never came my way. Uh, but it can really happen, what you know, every every way, which way, and in between. You know, Midnighter was a thing where I was just breaking into DC, and they asked, you know, what I would do if I could do anything, and at the time, that was definitely the answer. Uh, so I, I brought it up, and and there was uh, the opportunity to to pitch, and and I brought it home. So in that respect, you know, it, it can go that way, or it can be a thing like Gotham City Monsters, which you said in that scenario. Uh, they knew they wanted to do something to to use their monster characters, and they knew that I had a good backlog of what those you know what ones might be useful. Uh, and so there was an a, there was an objective there, you know, tie a little bit into what was going on in Justice League, tie a little bit into a bunch of different things, uh, City of Bane at that time as well. And uh, you know, it was a challenge, uh, but I like a challenge. And 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 they put it in front of me, and and some of the team was their idea, and some of it was mine. It was like, what can you do with these characters? And so. Martian Manhunter was it? It was uh, totally for me and Riley, you know, as a counterpoint. We knew that we wanted to, we had something to say about that character, and so we leaned in on it. Yeah, I truly, I truly enjoyed Martian Manhunter. I thought that was a great series. Uh, the artwork was fantastic. The story, of course, was amazing. Uh, I was glad that you were uh, attached to that. It was really awesome. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, is Luke Evans still your fan cast for Midnighter? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that's going to change every time you see him do something. It's, uh, you know, he's he, he's right where he's got to be to play Midnighter. So uh, I, I would love to have him yeah, in, in a world that's possible. Yeah, hopefully they uh, they move move with that because uh, Midnighter is a story that needs to continue. I'm surprised that he hasn't popped back up in any other stories. Well, you might see him sooner than you think. I'm not really a DC anymore. Like I sort of did my swan song. Uh, we I did a short Midnight and Apollo story. Uh, in Cybernetics Special, Summer Special, which was out yesterday. Okay. And uh, and that's sort of my last word on the characters, but I think you might see them sooner than you think. Because okay. I guess all I would say uh, when it comes to that. Okay. Uh, were there any other characters that you really wanted to get your hands on but didn't get the time or opportunity to? I mean, a, a countless ones. You know, like I, I would have liked some time to really say what I wanted to on Wonder Woman. Uh, I would have liked a crack at, you know, the main Superman book. And also I would have loved to work. I mean, I was a guy that loved the Justice Society. And for the duration of my time at DC, they didn't really, uh, they weren't really around. And then they came around and I uh, I had already made my exit. So 
um, for the most part. So I would love a chance just to come back for a little bit and work with them as well. I love those characters. And just by complete happenstance, they were out of uh, continuity for most of the time I was at DC. Yeah, and now JSA is huge with Stargirl on DC Universe. It's it's crazy how things kind of uh, cycle. Hell yeah, and I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, you're also writing at Marvel. Uh, now that you're a freelancer, you're, you did uh, Darkhold Alpha. I believe that comes out in September, right? Well, unfortunately, I was doing that, and hopefully we get a chance to finish it, but we did get um, we did get coroned on that one. Oh. So we are on full pause with Darkhold, but I have been... Uh, taking this opportunity to work my ass off in a variety of ways. Uh, and, and I have been, I've been hustling like a bastard. So uh, you're going to see a lot of work for me. Um, it's not going to, I mean, some of it's already been announced, but I've been hitting a lot of it online. Like I have like six or seven books coming out between now and next year. Uh, and so I've been busy and hopefully once things slow down and become back to normal, we'll be back at Marvel as well. Cause I love those guys. They were awesome. Uh, you know, we can't control the world. Um, and so I would go back and finish that or do something completely new in a second. Okay. Is there anything anything you can tell us that uh, what we can expect from uh, Darkhold? Uh, well, we don't even know if the book is going to happen, you know, oh. so so it, 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 it's really hard for me to say. I mean, we had a lot planned, but I would feel bad because, you know, who knows? Like, as of now, the book is not happening. So okay. that, that might change. Uh, and I hope it does, but we haven't worked on it in over five months. Oh wow! So and and that's the reality, unfortunately, of the of the pandemic. But um, you know, we had big plans for Doctor Doom and Scarlet Witch, especially. So I hope I hope that they give us the go to return to it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, are there other characters that you're really hoping to get your hands on now that you're? Oh God, at Marvel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, imagine I, I have a long list at DC, and uh, I was there for six years. The Marvel, the list is it's out the door. But my favorite, I mean, my favorites. Uh, I mean, I have, like with Midnighter, I have my queer characters that I think could use a polish, like Living Lightning. Uh, but also, like, I mean, I love Captain America. Captain America is probably, not probably, he is my favorite Marvel character. Uh, and then I loved, I mean, to me, like, I loved working with Doctor Doom. I'd love to do more of that. I love the Green Goblin. Like, weirdly, I came up as a kid reading the Phil Urich heroic Green Goblin books. And so, like, I would love to give, I mean, he's already an icon. But I really would love to give the investigation to him and the present sense that really makes him feel terrifying in the way that he has been sometimes, but not all the time, you know, in the way that the Joker is. Uh, and, and I love, love Green Goblin. So I'd love to do that. Um, I mean, I love the original Human Torch, just like the Justice Society. I love almost all the Invaders characters, Namor. Uh, Captain Universe is probably my big unsung character that I love. But man, it's everywhere. There's, I mean... The list goes on because I barely got my foot in the door before the world ground to a halt. So I can't wait to push that door back open. Yeah, I mean, all of those sound great. When I when I was when I saw that you were doing stuff with Marvel, the first uh, person that popped in my mind was Moon Knight. Oh, I would love that. I mean, I, I I it would be a cool character from a lot of angles too because he has like such a strong Jewish heritage, and a lot of people look to me for queer things, being bisexual. But I very like less so do I get to talk about being Jewish. So I would, and and I like writing people punching each other in the face. So in that respect, it seems to be a great fit. And uh, you know, I love Moon Knight. I love that. I love that period of time when people were just doing these awesome six to twelve issue runs with him, and then heading it off before the sort of creative juices ran dry. Uh, and I would love to be part of that because, yeah, Moon Knight is fucking awesome. Yeah, and you have, like I said, you have a knack for bringing underappreciated characters out, but you're also really good at adding to layers to stories and and bringing more to the character than just you know their background. You're really good at doing that. So I thought Moon Knight, as complex as he is, would be perfect for your writing style and your ability. 
I mean, I, I, I like when when you have a character who's known for like explosive creative action sequences. Yeah, like like give me a hard one, you know, when it comes to that because finding creative ways again for each, for characters to beat each other up. If I, you know, I don't really believe I have or any creator has one brand, but if I do, it's that uh, without question. So uh, I, I would I would love a fucking shot at Moon Knight and and also like weirdly as a kid, um, this is a weird cut. But uh, I love Silver Sable, and I'm all, like, like, and, and I, uh, I mean, my background is largely Jewish and Russian, and I love her sort of uh, Slavic background. I love how, like, that that whole world can be built out uh, to make her her country more unique, to make her character a little more unique. But Silver Sable, I would love. That's a, perhaps a weird, strange cut, but I would love to do that. No, I think Silver Sable is. She's been in the news because they've been talking about a series or a movie with Sony. I think now would be the perfect time to get a new Silver Sable story out there. Oh, and that reminds me too, because again, there's just so many. But near the top is actually the original Spider Woman, Jessica Drew. Because I, again, I mean, I, I none of my influences are normal, and like I grew up watching her show, and I just fucking love Jessica Drew. Like, and when I when I, and again when I was a kid, she wasn't. Uh, you know, she wasn't Spider Woman. Uh, she she had like no powers and all this crap. So now that she's back, like to me, that's such a good opportunity. I love that character. I, I would love a chance to get in in the ring with her as well. Well, hopefully Marvel is listening and they're gonna give you all these characters because uh, I know my bank account would uh, would hate you, but my love for comics would absolutely love it if you got a hold of those characters. Oh, well, I would too. Well, let's um let's move to the meat and potatoes of the episode, um, Commanders in Crisis. When you announced this on um on Instagram. Uh, I was pumped for it. I want to know all about it. So uh, what is Commanders in Crisis in a nutshell? I mean, this is in many ways, like my response to everything I did uh, when uh, for my, you know, everything I learned, everything, everything I couldn't do for reasons at DC, but also everything I learned there. Like I learned so much about telling these big superhero stories uh, from, from my co-creators, my editors, and and at the same time, like there's a lot of rules and that's not a bad thing. You're working for a massive corporation uh, that's owned by an even bigger corporation. But now that I'm out and now that I'm freelance, I want to tell the exact uh, provocative, hyper creative stories that I want to tell. And I got a taste of that in something like Milk Wars and Doom Patrol when I was working with Gerard, because who's going to say no to Gerard when it comes to content? Yeah. Uh, but now I'm out of my own and I'm just so excited. Like we are it's the superheroes that. That, that made me love comics when I was a kid, you know, like for the, I think basically for the foreseeable future, uh, my, um, my superhero content that is not at Marvel or DC is going to be, uh, it's going to be in this universe. I'm starting with commanders in crisis. So uh, it starts here, but it's a whole world that's going to be built out. I've teased some other things. I've teased some other teams, some of the characters that inhabit that world. But at its core, you know, I wanted to I wanted to start building my own superhero world that's exactly like I wanted to be, exactly like I think people deserve. And so it has the I tell people like it, it's the best of 1997. It's not it meets the modern day because those again, that's when I started loving comics. Classic, explosive, high energy superhero art, but with high, that type of like Morrison and like the best of Milligan era influence, like strange powerful provocative ideas behind it so it's kind of like you know it's like we're we're, we're we're sort of blowing up your brain with these things and making you question things but then you have this sleek uh you know art that falls right in the strikes on a big superhero comic as the chaser 
you know, the spoonful of sugar to the strange ideas. And, and that's what this book is. And uh, I just, I, I could not be more excited about it. Like David A. Tinto, who's drawing it, comes out of Marvel Adventures. He is a classic comic book artist, incredibly well-rendered uh, characters, incredibly well-designed. And then I'm just living my dream when it comes to, you know, the very program we're doing. Everything I want to do, I'm doing it. That's the real answer. Like, if you ever thought, you read, if you ever read a book from me in the past four years, and you kind of, it kind of felt like you were getting like 50% me, which is not the Martian Manhunter, but there are some things that were. Uh, if you felt like you were getting 50% and you didn't know why, you're getting 150% now. And, like, the nice thing is, now that we're at Image, no one tells me no. If I want to do something, I just do it. So we're doing new things, you know. Um, we're doing a variant program. It's comics, but there's different types of variants. We're using icons, but we're showcasing new voices. We're doing uh, the type of content on covers you wouldn't normally get. We're doing a New York, uh, we're doing a New Yorker cartoon-style cover. We're doing, uh, I'm in the process of booking a drag cover. Uh, we're already booked a cosplay cover. I'm doing uh, 3D model covers. Like, I, I want to do different things. There's no reason comics have to be the way they always have been. Let's hit different areas and, and feature different types of art. So uh, that's what Command is a Crisis is. It's, it's, it's stepping into my own world where I own it, and I can give you guys, uh, you know, the things you've been streaming for online, but now uh, I'm the last word. And so I'm going to do exactly what I want uh, and, and, and give everyone the types of comics that, in my opinion, uh, the industry needs. Thought-provoking, explosive, super high energy, and that's Commanders in Crisis. I, well, it sounds, um, it sounds great. 150% of Steve Orlando is, uh, is perfect for me, um, and I think it's for most of my listeners as well. Uh, where, where does the inf- inspiration for the story come from? Well, I mean, it, a lot of it is about, um, I mean, as with anything, uh, a lot of it is about the modern moment. Uh, but at the same time, um, I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, I mean, a lot of this depends on the reveal in the first issue. So I'm trying to hold off like spo- spoiling it, but I want to talk about power. I want to talk about service, you know, uh, you know, to the, to the community, but I also want to talk about what's missing in the world uh, through the means of superhero comics. You know, we know that, and, and also in a weird way, it's, it's, it's the big, like, kid who grew up reading like image comics launches owed to uh the the gay man and peter russell murder mystery story because at its core the first 12 issues series that is commanders in crisis launching out in this world it's a murder mystery uh but at the same time uh it's a murder mystery but the victim is an idea not a person uh and so when you see what that idea is it kind of says it all in the last page clincher of the first issue but uh someone kills an idea that is core to society and sort of my thought on how we got where we are, you know, how we could maybe solve it, and and how do you approach a problem uh, when a when a core element of society and, and what makes us human is just gone, uh, and and you know we're gonna solve it with superheroes and, and and multiversal adventures and people with the strange types of powers that I grew up with, you know, like I love characters like Jack Hawksmore, uh, you know, I, I you know I love a good punch in the face, but I also like strange powers that are surprisingly effective and surprisingly interesting, so. Uh, you'll know a lot more after issue one, like I said, like the commander, the crisis command is are the last survivors of the multiverse, but there's a little more. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I've hinted as well that this is no to Thunderbolts, uh, and, uh, probably one of the greatest final pages reveals of all time. I'm not going to say that I can out music music, uh, by any means, but I'm giving it my shot. And so you'll see a lot more once you get to the end of issue one. Okay. Um, you had posted on Instagram uh, a few times that this is a big 
moment in your life as as a creator. How important is Commanders in Crisis for you? And this jump from DC for being a staple at DC to now going freelance and starting your your new path at Image. Uh, I mean, it's it's huge to me because this is you know this is where you know, this year and the next couple of years are when we see if we can sink or swim because I'm now in control of my own destiny. Uh, you know, oftentimes doing big two work, doing the good work, doing the work isn't necessarily the be all and end all of whether or not you get support or get noticed, and that can suck. Like I'm not going to talk about it too much because I had incredible experiences at DC, but I also had some heartbreak there. Uh, you know, and I personally, uh, up until it came out, didn't think I could possibly write a book better than Martian Manhunter. So for it to essentially get completely, which people saw online, for it to get almost no promotion, for it to basically get downplayed in the name of other things was heartbreaking to me because I put three years of my life into that book and my almost literal blood making it happen. Uh, and so for it to sort of hit internally with a sort of a resounding meh, that was hard, not just for me, but the rest of the creative team and the editorial team. Like, it's not even their choice. So I, uh, now is the time for me to sort of put up or shut up. And because now I'm saying, you know, whether you think I'm a star or not, whether you think I, I'm a great creator or not, I'm going to fucking show you I am. And I'm going to out hustle the hustlers. And so it's, you know, it's a make or break couple of years. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, sometimes I, I, I'm incredibly thankful for my time at D.C., but sometimes you just need time apart. And that's why, like, I'm still working there on small things. And I would love to. And there's people I love there. But I need room to be myself. Uh, and, you know, I, it was clear that that was something I needed to do. So that was when I really formed uh, and, and sort of stepped into this realm of people who, yeah, will do these big two works. I'm super excited to do more Marvel. And I'm excited for the stuff you guys don't know about that's coming out, out at DC. But it's so much healthier for me creatively to also have this place where I can just go wild uh, and be in control. Yeah, I mean, having controlling your own destiny, it's great because you're able to, you know, like you said, you have the last word and you don't have to worry about getting notes or getting no's and, and stuff like that. So you're you're able to and especially when you're you're creating a universe, not just a story, you're creating a universe. It gives people a lot more to look forward to. And this is, you know, Image is absolutely crushing it with original stories right now. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to talk to Rob Guillory about Farmhand and he has kind of echoed the same things where it's the freedom and the liberty to go your direction is, is uh, it's kind of easy on you. It, it makes you feel good. So uh, hearing you say that is very great. Um, the one well, and I, sh and I should say as well, I mean, I'm incredibly excited to be at Image, but uh, I'm doing four books with Aftershock as well. And I can't understate, um, they've been incredible. Uh, you know, they have sort of re reworked their whole deal um, from a business standpoint. And they've always been great creatively. So it is um, extremely exciting for me to, to know uh, what's coming out from them uh, and, and for, to have you guys in anticipation of it. Uh, you know, you know about Kill a Man mm -hmm. uh, and Kill a Man is uh, a thing that is super, super exciting. Uh, I think the best thing I've ever written Um and I say that, you know, I just said that about Martian Manhunter, but I'll say it. You know, I sent that book to Tynan, Kill a Man, and he said, in his opinion, that that's the best thing that I've done, uh, you know, including Martian Manhunter. So everyone I've sent it to has been over over the fucking planet with that book. And I, I know what's in it. It is like it's one of the few times I've been working on a script because I'm co-writing it with Phil Kennedy Johnson, who's mm -hmm. doing, excuse me, The Last God at DC right now. And I'm 
actually Captain Marvel, Captain America, and Marvel right now. That motherfucker. Uh, but um, you know, we go back and forth, and every time I get the new draft, like we will text each other and just be like, "Fuck, this thing is good," you know. And, and that doesn't happen all the time. Um, you know, you can because you can be, you know, you can fall into this 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 freelancer mode where you're like, "This is a job. We got to get it done." So. I'm super excited about that. And then, yeah, there's three books that you guys don't need, you folks don't even know about yet from Aftershock. I'm doing a gay horror book there. I'm doing a YA fantasy book there. And then I'm doing a book there that I can, I will broadly say is kind of like Kurt Swan's Neon Genesis Evangelion. And that will make no sense to anyone until it comes out. But uh, that that's my take on my third, on my fourth book there. Uh, when do uh, some of those come out? Are you able to talk about those or are they worth Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, again, like world pending, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kill a Man, I know for sure. That comes out the week before Commanders in Crisis. So, Commanders in Crisis is October 14th, and we're the week before that for Kill a Man, uh, right for National Coming Out Day. So, I'm excited for that because uh, it is a gay mixed martial arts book. Okay. And, um, and what else? Uh, I believe the rest of the launches are going to be in 2021 because two are OGN releases, and you need a longer lead up time for that from a business standpoint. And, uh, just judging on where the other ones are, you're probably looking at 2021 for all that. And that's not even all my books, by the way. Those are just the ones that I've teased. You'll, uh, man, there's at least three more. So I've been pretty busy. So COVID's kind of been good to you in a way, as far as the creative process? I mean, I've been lucky. I, I owe a lot to Aftershock, you know. Um, when a big companies were shutting down, they said, no, we are uh, doing the opposite. We are leaning in. We are saying yes and there's a period of time in my life when every other company uh was saying no and and they were still approving so i i i i i have a lot of like ride or die loyalty to them now because in a in, in a in a you know a basic human sense they saw the creators were hurting and they said you know you know we know the industry is going to come back and it is on its way back and we're going to be ready for it we're going to keep production moving and you know that's COVID has been quote unquote good to me, but only because of strong relationships and people that actually care about their freelancers. That's awesome. Uh, you always hear like the horror stories that, you know, people aren't doing anything and people are like, you're working hard, working your ass off and getting new content out, which is amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and I've been very lucky, you know, like I'm not going to, I, I, I know a lot of people are struggling uh, and, and hopefully they're coming out of it. I just, you know, um, I was lucky to have a good relationship with those folks and a couple other places and a lot of work, you know, I had already planned and gone freelance, you know, in January, February. So I, by complete coincidence, a lot was already in place and, um, yeah, I hustled my way through it and did a lot more, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have been very lucky. It's funny, you know, freelance life really hasn't changed that much compared to others. So everybody was saying, you know, my neighbors have job jobs uh, here in Boston. And they're sort of saying, like, oh, how are you adjusting? And it's like, well, there's no adjustment, basically. I Before COVID, I sat at home and wrote all day and went to the gym for two hours. That was my time out. Now I sit at home and write all day and go to the gym in my office. That's the wind change. Uh, but it's largely, you know, we, we've been lucky. We This is a life that we're used to. And I'm just glad the publishers uh, helped us you know, keep floating on through it. Yeah, me too. Um, w another thing that I was thinking about with like seeing that how the, the kind of the landscape for comic books and entertainment has kind of shifted where the big two have like their set universes, but 
Netflix and other um, other streaming sites are picking up Image Comics and Boom Studios. Does that change the writing process when you're going into a new story with the maybe the like the anticipation that what if this gets picked up and adapted to a series? Um, not for me. Okay. I mean, it clearly does. It, it clearly does for some people. I'm not going to start throwing shade on this podcast. Um, but you know my, what I would say is this: I you know, kill him like something like Kill a Man. I can easily see it as adaptable uh but i don't set out with that aim because if you set out with that aim you almost inevitably make your storytelling smaller because Mm -hmm. you can do things in comics that you can't do in any other format and you can do some things excuse me you can do things in film that you can't do in comics but you have to do the best possible thing in the medium you're working in so i set out with all these things to make the best possible comic um that i can and then if someone sees a way to translate that into uh, another format, great, but I'm not going to scale down my storytelling in hopes that, that would happen. And early on in my career, a couple of uh, regimes back at Vertigo, uh, that was literally a no we could get. You know, make sure you don't make it too big or too wild because, you know, the TV people are looking at it for adaptations and they don't want, you know, you don't want to scare them or it won't get over the plate. And like, to me, that's complete horseshit. Uh, you know, like, we should be, you guys deserve as comic readers the front line of this storytelling, the biggest boldest storytelling you can possibly have so yeah i have thing i have some things that could never be adapted i have some that could be the things that could be adapted and you know what if it does that's great but uh i'm focusing on making the best when i'm when i'm doing comics i focus on making the best comics i can if i'm doing prose i'm trying to make that as good as it can be and not worry about how it might like read another format so i never sit out that way um you know i've had books like virgil got optioned uh and a couple other things of that interest and that's awesome but our job is to give you guys, uh, like I said with myself, 150%. Our job is to give you guys the best possible comic book you can get. They're not cheap. You don't deserve a watered-down version from someone hoping for a movie deal. Uh, and and that's, that's sort of how I feel about it. No, I, I like that approach. It's, you know, it's always comics first, and then whatever comes next is kind of icing on the cake, right? Absolutely. Because, you know, again, we're, com- we're, we're, we're creating comic books. We're not creating movie pictures. Yeah. Um, so... You're doing Kill a Man, which is an MMA style. Are you a big fan of MMA? I know you're a fan of wrestling. I've become one. So I uh, I got into watching mixed martial arts. Um, you know, it's a weird life we live. Uh, I was at a convention in Lake George. And uh, at this convention was uh, Walter Jones, the original Black Ranger. And mm-hmm. turns out he was really into uh mixed martial arts so we ended up like walking the streets of lake george finding a place we could convince to let us watch ufc 200 and here i was with like a bunch of my friends watching it with a black ranger but i watched it because uh brock lesnar was on it and i just wanted to seem to get the shit beat out of it i think (laughs) i think he's a human thumb and kind of an asshole in real life so if he was going to do a shoot fight, I wanted to see him get his ass kicked as a shoot. I was going to look at his character as a shoot and be like, well, as a shoot, you're an asshole. So let's watch you get your ass kicked. Unfortunately, he did not, uh, although he was cheating and he was on the juice. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that night, I saw Amanda Nunez become the first lesbian champion in history uh, of the sport, and I was immediately hooked. So I got in because of wrestling. Um and then I stayed because I just have incredible respect for the competition, the skill, and, and, and the narratives of some of these people. Like, Amanda's my girl. 
Uh, and, um, you know, I will, I, at minimum watch every time she's on. Um, and I often will watch more as I get at other people, but I, I'm there at like, to me, it's sort of the purest form of, it's the purest form of, of that type of like boxing or like, uh, any type of sort of like, even, I mean, really, it's the ultimate expression of any sport to me. Like, if you're a person who's watching hockey for the fights, why not just watch UFC? Yeah. Like, I feel like most other sports, and, and you know, don't read the comments when I say this, but they're just a pretense for violence anyway, so let's just get to it and watch the violence. Yeah. Just cut to the chase. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on top of that, I just, like, it, it's mind-blowing. The reaction times, the training of these people are mind. It is mind-blowing to me. Yeah. It's, uh, to it, see, it, like, it happens so fast. You know, they are so skilled and it looks obvious when you see it in slow motion. But these things, like, I can't even imagine what's going through their mind. I've only been hit in the head three times in my life. I was in two fights and I was in a boxing club in high school and it sucked. Getting hit in the head sucks. So I can't imagine people who do it for a living uh, and maintain their wits and come out on top. Uh, It's it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, me me too. Um, Are there any... um wrestling books coming out from you like i know you I, i've been following you for quite some time and i know you're a huge indie fan and and you know a, a wwe fan too are there any book uh wrestling stories coming out uh maybe i guess watch this space for that one because some stuff is in the early talks and it's you know it is not necessarily just with me so that that one i can't really go into i can tease the fuck out of all my originals uh and, and saying that in of itself is kind of a teaser uh, but we are working on some wrestling stuff. Okay, awesome. Uh, um, before we, we get out of here, the last question I have about comics is um, what can everybody do to make sure all the stuff that you have, especially Commanders in Crisis, become a sellout? Uh, man, I you know, look, buy it. Uh, and, and look, the, the reality of modern comics is that books live or die on their periodical sales. So, I mean, so but before I get into that, let me just say any type of support and especially in this current moment, uh, is I, I couldn't appreciate it more. Like the people that have followed me for six years at DC and are supporting me now, uh, you know, you're all my ride or dies for this. Like I'm I'm going hard, and if you're going hard with me, that's fucking fantastic. And you can buy it however the fuck you want. If you're asking more detailed question, uh, not all buys unfortunately are equal. That's the reality of comics right now. Trade waiting will kill a book. Uh, because we, especially on the indies, live or die on the payments we get from the monthly books. So buying the book monthly, uh, like it or not, until the industry changes and the way that we get paid out changes does matter more. Um, Pre-ordering it matters the most. But having said that all, uh, I will always give you guys the truth. And that's the truth. Uh, But the reality along with that is any support, however is convenient, however is comfortable, you know, there's a hundred different books out there every week and it doesn't really matter if you're asking me how is best. Yeah, I'll tell you. But what matters to me the most is that you're showing up, you're buying a digital, you are pre-ordering the trade or something on Amazon. Uh, if you're showing up for me, I'm going to be incredibly thankful for you. However you do. And it's a it's available for pre-orders right now, right? Uh, from Image, and then the cutoff date is August fifteenth. Well, actually, they gave. Sorry, I'm opening up my canned water, a new thing that I've gotten into. Okay. Uh, uh, 
so it was the 15th, but they gave us more time. So it's actually you can or you can pre-order now up until September 21st. OK, awesome. And it's still set to come out on October 14th. We'll be out October 14th. Let's make it a success. That is uh, my uh, dead anniversary with my ex who was a piece of shit to me. So let's let's really make him sad by making this a great success. Awesome. Um, last thing I got for you, Steve, is uh, where can people connect uh, with you? Uh, so, I mean, like most of comics people, I'm most active on Twitter. I'm at the Steve Orlando. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, also at the Steve Orlando. Um, and I talk about comics and, and, and exercise and wrestling and all those things on both. But there's a little more exercise, fitness and gay shit on instagram and there's a lot more comics and, and and stuff on twitter so you know whatever flavor works for you but those are the places you can find me awesome uh well steve thanks again for coming on uh whenever you have a book coming out you have a we have an open door here you're ready to uh we'll invite you on whenever yeah i mean it was active geek podcast i thought you'd ask me at least one exercise question but here we are oh, you're uh, <laughs> I, listen i i didn't know if that's what you wanted to talk about the book was important but you're you're fit i did <laughs> I did have some fitness questions. I did because your your transformation has been incredible. Let's get it in. I'll give you ten more minutes because I was like I was like excited. Nobody asked me about that shit. It's only John Livesay like threatening me with his forty year old abs and shit. <laughs> well, you uh, you just hit your goal weight, right? I mean, uh, yes, I did. Like you know, obviously the reality of body weight is it fluctuates by like about five pounds every day. So I hit it and then I fucked it, but I'm trying to keep it under it. So what are you doing to? You know, I've been following, like I said, I've been following you on Instagram, so I've been seeing the, the transformation. What have you been doing to transform as, as you have? You know, it's funny. I mean, I do, the quarantine has faced me to really evaluate what, what is, what is useful and what isn't. Um, and so that, that's the most interesting thing to me. I'm naturally a person who maintain, you know, is, is bigger, my, you know, just in my, in my genetics. And, uh, but at the same time, when I turned 29, my doctor was like, well, maybe you should take care of some shit. So I have been, um, and because of that, like when the gyms were open, I was doing a fuckload of cardio. I was doing like at least 45 minutes of cardio every day. Uh, and when the pandemic started, I was like, I'm fucked. You know, like I don't, I have a rowing machine at home, uh, but I can't run with a mask just cause I hate it. So like, I'm really screwed. And, uh, now five months later, I've, reworked my my workout at home so i'm basically doing like uh three days a week i'm doing an hour of high intensity interval training type stuff and then i do like active recovery days on tuesday and thursday where i'll do like resistance bands uh and then on the weekends i do two yoga days and honestly like i'm shocked that it's it's worked like i never would have imagined for me at least that the much less cardio could have the results it did. So it's been a learning experience for me because I really, as much as everybody's genetics and body are different, um, I never would have thought I would be where I am now, five months into a quarantine when I haven't been able to go to a gym uh, in, in that time. And I think part of it is that we naturally sort of get distracted and waste time at the gym, mm -hmm. you know, like I might've been there for an hour and a half or two hours, but I'm, you know, I'm playing grab ass and talking to people, but here and in my office, like, I'll be honest, I fucking hate working out of my office. It's terrible. So I try to get it done as quickly as possible. And so I realized, I think that, uh, you know, there's basically almost no downtime. Like I'm basically just working a circuit for an hour. So that's the main 
long way of saying I had real plans. And like for the first two months I was doing like, oh, today's a back day. Today's a chest day. Today's a whatever. But I got so I was going out of my mind being in the same place all the time. So I basically just do full body, high intensity interval training on my hard days, which is Monday, Tuesday, Friday or one Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And and that's what I do. It's you know, it's different every time, but I sort of have abandoned having like leg day or something just because the idea of exercise in my office has sort of turned me like a little Norman Batesy. Okay. So I'm I'm just trying to keep it together until I can go back out into the real world. Okay. Well, how how do you avoid uh, becoming stagnant? Because like I know like when when I've worked out or when I work out, it's you know it's the same thing over and over again. Especially now in quarantine, I'm in New Jersey and gyms haven't been open since February, so it's impossible to get in. How have you avoided becoming stagnant? Man, I just put two and two together. And if I saw you at Keystone Comic Con and you live in the dirty, you're actually probably from about the same area as my boyfriend because he's from South Jersey but says he's from Philly. Okay, yeah, I'm from South Jersey, half half uh, half an hour away from Philly. Yeah, he. We're in. Uh, where the fuck does he live? He lives in Camden County. So do I. Uh, bizarre. Well, he actually lives in West Berlin. So if you live in West Berlin, that would be wild. I grew well, up, in, I, no shit. I grew up in West Berlin. I swear to God. Well, I mean, he lives obviously with me now, so I should say he grew up in West Berlin. Uh, that's wild, but yeah, that's fucking bizarre. Um, we'll do a follow up about that. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, on that note, we went to the beach last week, and you'd be you would be shocked or not shocked to see to t- to find out that he had Channing down to a fucking science. He had a stopwatch on his on his phone. We were turning over like three quarters away every every fifteen minutes. It was wild. Uh, and I'm from central New York, so I've never seen the sun and I don't know what tanning is, but that's a long answer of, uh, what do I do? Um, I switched it up a lot, man. Like I do a lot of compound exercises. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to give advice because I'm sure what I do is not perfect form or things like that, but it's a lot of just, I do full body stuff and, uh, and, and I keep it different every day and I, and I make up a lot of shit that, I mean, you know, like for the past month, the thing has been pleasing to me is I've been getting into yoga poses and then I've been doing reps in the yoga pose. So like I'm activating like my whole body because, uh, I'm balancing in a bizarre way, you know, so it looks stupid. Like I'm, like I'm saying, it looks insane, but I'm also getting a full body workout of it. Even if I have only like 10 pound weights and I'm doing reps, with like a chest press or something or like a curl. The fact that I'm also in this bizarre balance pose, I mean, I'm basically getting a whole body workout. Of it. I'm activating all the muscles in my body just to not fall over. Uh, and so that's been the past month. But the real answer is I am just constantly like doing new shit. I actually watch Seamus's Celtic workout videos and I think they're really interesting. Um, JCVD has a, has a YouTube channel where he puts up exercises uh, and they're really interesting. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure when I'm back to the gym, I'll finally have a normal routine again. But right now, it's just kind of like exactly what you're saying. Like, as long as I'm getting a full body workout for an hour a day, three days a week, and then I can do my, uh, like, shorter days on Tuesday and Thursday, and the yoga on the weekend, it's, it's different almost every week. Like, I have my things I like to do. Um, but a lot of it is just like, as long as I hit getting that full body thing, I got to keep it different. I got to try new things because otherwise, like, yeah, you will go crazy, especially if you're never even leaving your house to do it. And I just buy weird shit. You know, like I have the sandbag. I just bought the sandbag with, that you put the weighted the weighted bags in. 
Okay. Um, like the military type sandbag. And then I bought mace bells, which I like, I rarely recommend exercise equipment, but mace bells, especially for a comic fan, highly recommend them. It's essentially, I mean, it's a mace, uh, but it's a weight. So like, it's like a bar, it's like a barbell with a weight on one side and then you just do barbarian shit with it. Um, sounds badass. And it's, and it's super fun. Like, and that's the thing, like, that's the key to me. Everybody's like, what do you do? Like, you have to find a way. Nobody loves, I mean, not nobody, but most people don't love exercise. So I got to find a way to make it fun, uh, to, you know, as fun as it can be. And new equipment has been a big part of that for me. Between the mace spell, um, sandbag, um, and just looking up different types of things. Like, you know, I, I'll be honest. I thought yoga was bullshit before this. Like, I was just like, okay, like, I'm not like a soccer mom. What the fuck am I doing? Uh, but doing it like a couple days a week has really given me results and my flexibility and like my sort of overall toning. So I, I, the eye opener for me has been just how much can work, uh, as long as you are keeping your activity and your heart rate up. Awesome. What about the diet? Last thing is the diet. Um, how, how drastic has that changed? Well, uh, that's been interesting for me too. I mean, what do you do? Oh, I binge and eat like shit (laughs) constantly. I think you mean you do bulking and, and leaning out. That's what you mean, right? Yes. Yeah. So the funny thing again to me, like, is I never had a good exercise routine until a couple of years ago. So I completely had to change out. I mean, now, I mean, it hasn't changed in the pandemic. The change for me was earlier because I always used to be a bigger guy. And so when I first started, I was still in the mindset of like, you just can't eat carbs. And you also need to like super restrict your calories. Cause I was like, Look, it wasn't healthy, but there's a time in my life when I was only eating like 500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went up to like 900 calories a day, but I was also not so active. And when I started really exercising, the change for me was, uh, you know, I sat down with the trainer at the gym and she was like, well, you have to, you, I mean, make them healthy, but you got to start eating carbs. It's so like I, I had, I basically put myself into such a calorie deficit that my body was holding on to everything that it possibly could get. And so the change for me was, yeah, I measure my macros, but it was, uh, you know, knowing that I have to get carbs and actually a fair amount, uh, you know, when you are active. So I keep my fats down to what's considered a low fat diet, which is under 67 grams a, a day for a 2000 calorie diet. Um, but I keep my uh, I keep my carbs. I don't really limit my protein. And then I keep my carbs like higher than you would expect. It's like 150 grams a day. Um, but as long as I'm staying active, it, I was shocked, but it's, it, you know, it pays off. Also, I'm just getting messages from my boyfriend. You didn't happen to go to overbook high school. Did you? I did class of Oh five. That's a wild thing because you actually went to high school with my boyfriend. But, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So like it's been, it's really, I, I really learned a, a lot and I don't know how it's been for you. Like the necessities of the quarantine have really showed me forced me to look at what works and what doesn't and what's just bullshit. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what I do when I go back. Cause like, I'm not going to waste 45 minutes on cardio now. Like I'll probably do a warm up, uh, But like, if I'm, you know, if I'm getting by doing like, to be frank, like just interspersing jumping jacks inside my, in my, my high intensity shit, I'm going to focus on that when I go back. And I, I don't know, like what, if you've learned things about it as well, having to work, Home, but it's, it has been really fascinating to me because almost everything I thought was like a rule turns out it's not a rule at all. So maybe there are no rules. Yeah, I guess you have to tailor it to your disciplines and what your body's able to, to do, right? 
apparently, you know, I, I mean, I was pretty new to all this before the quarantine. So uh, it's, it's been really wild for me. Well, whatever you're doing, Steve, it's working. I mean, your transformation has been fantastic. I mean, it's a, an inspiration for people who are trying to get into fitness. Oh, well, thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Well, um, I think that's all I have for you. Well, I'm happy to be on, man. And, and I, you know, as you know, I will always come back if there's more you want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything. Any books you have coming out, we're, uh, we'll love to have you on. Uh, yeah, well, we will, we will be making that happen. Trust me, because as I said, there's a lot coming. Uh, <laughs> well, once you guys know about them all, uh, we, can, we, we can connect back on. Awesome. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That's my interview with Steve Orlando. Some comics, fitness, and coincidences. But thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and we really look forward to talking with you in the future about all your future works. I hope everyone enjoyed this interview, and I hope you all have added Kill a Man and Commanders in Crisis to your pull list. If you haven't, please contact your local comic book shop and get them pre-ordered. They're going to be awesome. I'm going to get them. We're going to review them on the podcast. We're going to talk to Steve more about them when they come out. Uh, but definitely support Steve. He uh, He's a genuine dude, and he really gave a great insight on how the comic industry works and, and his passion for comics. So support people who are passionate. Well, that's our episode, and uh, next week Chuck will be back, and we're going to talk about Cursed and Umbrella Academy from Netflix. You can follow us on social media, The Active Geek on Instagram, Active Geek underscore on Twitter. You can follow Chuck, Chuck underscore The Active Geek, AG Cosplay, our resident cosplayer. Uh, you can support the network by listening to Galaxy Wars every Monday. We just put up a uh, episode uh, reviewing the first three issues of Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy from Jeff Lemire, so check that out. We'll be back next week read all of Steve Orlando's works and make sure you contact your local shops and get those books ordered. For the Active Geek Podcast, I'm Jim and uh, we are out.